My friends, a number of you have asked me about the Powell Memo and its influence on big money into politics. Uh, let me give you some history. This is very important. In 1971, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce asked Lewis Powell, who was then an attorney in Richmond, Virginia, and future Supreme Court justice, to report on the activities of special interest groups on the political left. Richard Nixon was still president, but the chamber, along with some prominent Republicans, like Powell, worried about what the new left of the 1960s had wrought on American politics and on free enterprise. Powell's memo, distributed widely to chamber members, argued that the American economic system is under broad attack from consumer, labor, and environmental groups. In reality, these groups were doing nothing more than enforcing the implicit social contract that had emerged at the end of World War II, ensuring that corporations were responsive to all their stakeholders, their workers, their communities where they were headquartered and where their production was centered, and to the nation as a whole, not just to their shareholders. But Powell and the Chamber saw it differently. Powell urged businesses to mobilize for political combat. He said, business must learn the lesson that political power is necessary, that such power must be assiduously cultivated, and that when necessary, it must be used aggressively and with determination, without embarrassment, and without the reluctance which has been so characteristic of American business. He stressed that the critical ingredients for success were organization and funding. Strength lies he said, in the scale of financing available only through joint effort and in the political power available only through united action and national organizations. On August 23, 1971, the Chamber distributed the Powell Memo to leading CEOs, large businesses, and trade associations. It constituted the entirety of the Chamber's regular publication, Washington Report. Powell's memo had exactly the effect the chamber wanted. It galvanized corporate America into action, releasing what would be a tidal wave of corporate money into American politics. Within a few decades, corporate money would become the largest single political force in Washington and most state capitals. Once a few large corporations ramped up their lobbying and campaign contributions, competitors felt they had to do the same or lose out. Within a few years, an entire corporate political industry was born, centered in Washington, D.C., including tens of thousands of corporate lobbyists, corporate lawyers, corporate political operatives, and corporate public relations flocks. Washington went from being a rather sleepy, if not seedy, town to the glittering center of corporate America, replete with elegant office buildings, fancy restaurants, pricey bistros, five-star hotels, conference centers, beautiful townhouses, and a booming real estate market that pushed Washington's poor out to the margins of the district and made two of Washington's surrounding counties among the wealthiest in the nation. I saw it. I lived it. By 1976, I was working at the Federal Trade Commission. Jimmy Carter had appointed consumer advocates to regulatory positions many of them influenced by Ralph Nader. My boss at the FTC was Michael Perchuk, a wonderfully energetic and charismatic man. Joel, Joan Claybrook chaired the National Highway Traffic Safety Commission. 
Other Naderites were spread throughout the Carter administration. All were ready to battle big corporations that for years have been deluding or injuring consumers. Yet almost everything we initiated at the FTC and almost everything undertaken by these activists elsewhere in the Carter administration was met by unexpectedly fierce political resistance. At one point, when the FTC began examining advertising directed at children, Congress stopped funding the commission altogether, shutting it down for weeks. I was dumbfounded. What happened? In three words, the Powell Memo. The number of corporations with public affairs offices in Washington had ballooned from 100 in 1968 to over 500 by the time I came to the FTC in 1976. In 1971, only 175 firms had registered lobbyists in the nation's capital. By 1982, nearly 2,500 had them. The number of corporate political action committees mushroomed from under 300 in 1976 to over 1,200 by 1980. Between 1974 and 1980, the Chamber of Commerce doubled its membership. And remember, this was still 30 years before the Supreme Court's infamous Citizens United decision. Even after George H.W. Bush became president, the corporate political industry continued to balloon. By the 1990s, when I was Secretary of Labor, corporations employed some 61,000 people to lobby for them, including registered lobbyists and lawyers. That came to more than 100 lobbyists for each member of Congress. Corporate money also supported platoons of lawyers who represented corporations and the very rich in regulatory and court proceedings, often outgunning the Justice Department and state attorneys general. Most importantly, corporations began inundating politicians and American politics with money for their campaigns. Between the late 1970s and late 1980s, corporate political action committees increased their expenditures on congressional races nearly fivefold. Labor union PAC spending rose only about half as fast. By the 2016 campaign cycle, corporations and Wall Street contributed $34 for every $1 donated by labor unions and all public interest organizations combined. Wealthy individuals also accounted for a growing share. In 1980, the richest one-hundredth of one percent of Americans provided 10% of contributions to federal elections. By 2012, they provided 40%. Of course, the Supreme Court has made all this worse through its decisions holding that money is speech under the First Amendment and corporations are people. Although, as I've noted, Republicans have cultivated large donors and Democrats smaller donors, both political parties transformed themselves from state and local organizations that channeled the views of members upward into giant fundraising machines that sucked in money from the top. Never in the history of American politics has one document, the Powell Memo, had such nefarious consequences. For those of you who'd like to read it, and I do recommend doing it to get a full sense of its influence, I've included it in this post in its entirety.